2: This is the Tom Hartman Program.
3: On the line with us is uh, Dr. Eric Feigelding, the epidemiologist and senior fellow at the Federation for American Scientists, the first whistleblower on the COVID pandemic, formerly a faculty member and researcher at the Harvard Medical School and Harvard's T.H. Chang School of Public Health. Uh, His uh, Twitter handle, which I strongly encourage you to follow, one of the best sources of information on the COVID pandemic and most current is Dr. Eric Ding, D-R-E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G, uh, on Twitter. Uh, it starts with an ad at the very beginning. Dr. Ding, welcome back to the program. Um, we're hearing that Omicron is 70 times faster in spreading and evades the vaccine, or is certainly capable of that. What does this mean? Just how dangerous is Omicron?
4: The 70 times is actually 70 times faster replicating in your in your trachea, in your windpipe. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's not transmitted 70 times. That would be apocalyptical. But Omicron is about probably about four to six times faster than the original strain and probably three to four times faster than Delta. That is an incredibly, incredibly large transmission advantage, considering the Delta is already twice as uh, transmissible as the original Mary. And it's, it's so fast that I think. Uh, It will likely be dominant in the United States by Christmas, literally next week. Um, I think we're not that far in which uh, it's been exponentially increasing from 1% to 10% to upper teens now in the U.S. um, already within just two weeks. And that is way faster than anything we've seen before. And regardless of what you think about mild or not mild, and I don't think it's necessarily milder, The the issue is that once exponential cases blow up and you have a million cases in the near future, that will actually over-swamp all the hospitals, which are already at capacity.
3: You're uh, predicting, basically, a hospital crisis across the United States within the next six or eight weeks at the most. There's no doubt about it. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of
4: when. there's hospitals in Michigan and Pennsylvania, a lot of many states that are completely, completely full. They have no more beds. They're diverting patients already, and that's just Delta. That's not even Omicron. The Omicron hasn't even like truly escalated across the U.S. yet. It has started in the U.K. Oh, it hit 50% in London within uh, just a few days. But we haven't even seen the worst of this. Yeah. And I can't emphasize, you know, as Christmas gatherings happening, a lot of people letting down the guards, and not enough people getting boosters. We're still under 20% of the population that is boosted in the United States. We're in deep, deep trouble. And I think people are way too complacent and blasé about all this.
3: I was reading a piece yesterday that said, and I, and I was waiting for you to come on so I could ask you to confirm this or, or knock it down, that the booster shot uh, you know according to the new science here doesn't just it's not like you know you get the first shot and you have immunity and then it kind of wanes you get the second shot it boosts back up to where it was and then it wanes you get the third shot it boosts back up to where it was that's not what's going on that actually that booster shot that third shot broadens the entire spectrum of immunity throughout your body it it it, it builds new kinds of immunity that you didn't have previously do i have that right
5: um in a
4: way um, I think booster shot is a much more powerful than the first two shots combined, because right. the booster shot is uh, literally triples the antibody levels that you have. Of, even a fresh two dose, it's about six to eight times the antibodies than a, a waned, uh, six month waned two dose. So a booster shot is by far the most important shot. Of your protection goes from seven hundred antibodies to over two thousand, uh, close to twenty five hundred antibody levels. This is why um, the booster is really, really key. But even with boosters, you know, use the efficacy does go up. we up to um, symptomatic infection protection goes up to about seventy to seventy-five. But again, we're not in the nineties anymore in right. terms of the protection that we had against original string last year. Right. So would it be, um, and people have to be really cognizant of that.
3: So would it be accurate to characterize it this way, just to put it in very simple terms, um, that Um, you know, if you're vaccinated, you're still at risk from this. In fact, you're still at risk of getting sick or even dying. If you're booster vaccinated, that risk is substantially diminished, but you're still at a very high risk, a a measurable risk of getting infected. You, You probably won't die from it. You probably won't end up in the hospital, but you'll be able to pass it along to everybody around you who could be. And therefore, what is right now, a crisis in our hospitals right across America where about 90% or over 90% of all the people in the ICU and all the people dying are unvaccinated, that we're going to see because you know, unvaccinated people feel like they can safely hang out with vaccinated people. Because hey, these people are vaccinated. That's no longer going to be the case. Vaccinated people, while right. they're not going to get sick or die, they will be able to pass that virus along to unvaccinated people. And so the, the these unvaccinated idiots among us, and in some counties, it's like over half of everybody, they are going to just you know, they're just it's going to be a, 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 a I, I almost used a word I can't use on the air. Shall we say a storm? uh hitting our hospitals here when this happens yeah. if they remain unvaccinated is that an accurate de- description
4: yeah I, I think so um and first of all especially the unvaccinated people I tend to hang out with other unvaccinated people as well uh more likely um but the holidays they bring everyone together right. and there's gonna be a lot of uh, cross infections breakthrough infections um, in, in transmission across these you know, traditional boundaries of people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated, and there's not enough testing in the U.S. And so vaccines protect you um, against transmission, the lower, but with two doses that's waned, it's not nearly enough. Pfizer, within literally three months, two, three months, the efficacy uh, with just two shots drops down to just low to mid-30s, so 34%. Of what, it, totally of what of what it was, yeah. Which is two shots. Yeah. So with with third shot, you're protected, but again, that protection is only in the seventies. Um, not it's not near the what, what we think uh, it is before. So instead of a hundred people, now it's thirty people are getting it, uh, as opposed to previously when you had ninety five percent, just five people. That's that's a huge huge difference uh, of a shift.
3: I, I, um, I, I, if you think I, yeah. about it. Yeah, I get it. I, I think a lot of Americans are, are familiar with how insanely contagious uh, measles is. I mean, we've got uh, something like a 97, 98 percent vaccination rate for measles across the United States. And, and still, it, it, small numbers of people refusing to get vaccinated, these little you know, religious cults or whatever, um, keep popping up measles, lo- local measles epidemics. You know, we've seen, we saw a lot of this two, three years ago uh, in California, actually. Um, yeah, compare that, because I think that's the most contagious, uh, you know, v- virus that's respiratory uh, that, that, that affects humans right now, um, or at least serious one. Compare that with Omicron.
4: Yeah, uh, measles um, had like a, an R not around 15,
3: 12 to 15. So for every person who's infected, they infect 12 to 15 other people.
4: Yeah, so each person infects 12 to 15 additional people, which is really, really fast. Even two is really fast. But with Omicron, we think that it's about, uh, you know, the original variant was about three or four and Delta was about six to eight. But if this is truly, truly about four times faster than Delta and five times faster than original. Then you're literally getting into the 20s, 30s um, in terms of are not theoretically, you know, if mm-hmm. there was no mitigation, are not. And we'll so it really might be no more mitigation.
3: infectious than measles. Yeah, I think so. So think so, so. so let's That's let's turn this let's turn this into practical uh, advice for. For people who work in a relatively small workplace where they're being careful, I'm speaking specifically of us. You know, in, in this studio right now, Louise and Nate and I are all sitting in the same room. Joyce is sitting in the other room answering phones. Um, you know, we, we all live in our own little bubbles. We're being very, very careful. We test every mor- Monday morning right here in the studio using the, you know, the, the rapid tests. And when av- any of us uh, encounter somebody we're not sure of, uh, we all test the next day. We've we've gotten pretty anal about this. Um, should we be preparing to go back to doing the show remotely, where we're all working from home, because this thing is coming?
4: Yeah, that's a very tough question. I would say, first of all, there's other things you can do. I think testing is really important, but I think testing once a week may not be enough. Um, there's cases of people testing negative at breakfast, negative at lunch, positive at dinner. Right. Right. And it's, it's just that fast. Right. Um, I think you should test on a more regular basis, even potentially daily. I think you should install
3: HEPA filters. We've got um, one. We haven't done so. Yeah, we've got one with work. a UV light that kills viruses and it's blowing right, all the air in the, the room. The
4: upper room UV is also really good uh, uh, in any conference room that has yeah. more air than uh, one HEPA filter can handle. But I think all of these together uh, and ventilation together are really, really critical. So, what about? But unfortunately, many schools and workplaces don't have that. If right. they don't have that, that's a workplace um, danger in many ways. Yeah. And I really worry for a lot of teachers and a lot of other s- schools and other workplaces that just cannot do that because they are truly in danger. And, you know, I don't want to, at this point, you know, I'm not advocating for lockdowns there, because there's so much more we can do short of lockdowns. Right. But unfortunately, if you don't do them, there's only one alternative short of a big epidemic wave. Right.
3: So what about, um, uh, you know, uh, grandparents or even parents whose children are going to daycare or going to school? If this thing is, is even more virulent, more, more contagious than, than measles, it seems like a virtual certainty at some point in the next two to four weeks that, that kid, maybe not even showing any symptoms, is going to come home with Omicron and inflect, infect mom and dad or, or particularly you know grandparents who are over 70, where even the booster doesn't give them you know, the full immunity that it would to somebody who's in their 40s, for example. Um, is it time for grandparents to say to their grandchildren or, or to their you know their kids about their grandchildren? You know, I'm going to take a pause here for a month or so and we're not going to hang out with the grandkids.
4: Yeah, I think that's something we have to consider. Um, I think it depends on the risk of each individual um, workplace and each individual family Is how vulnerable your grandparents are. But if your grandparents are very vulnerable, then we should definitely consider that. And I think we should also test, not just the morning of, not just the week beginning of the week, but immediately, immediately before any gathering. Like, Almost like, hey, someone knocking on your door. Have them test in a side room or in the garage before they enter. I think that's the best way. And, and even the having little kids or gatherings could be even better.
3: Even the grandchildren, or especially well, the grandchildren.
4: Just everyone just just don't gather inside if you have high risk factor individuals. Right. I think that's what we have to do. Um, and, par- and grandparents should live in the sequestered room with HEPA filters. Um, away from everyone else, especially uh, until at least a week after school has been out, so yeah. that there's no carryover from the right. school.
3: So, uh, wow. And and so just to clarify, in your opinion, Dr. Doctor Eric Feigolding, the only thing that will get us back to anything resembles that resembles normal is when we get vaccine levels with boosters. Booster, you know, in other words, thinking of this of these shots as a three-shot regimen now instead of a two-shot right, regimen. Exactly. When, when everybody has their three shots, then we can say, okay, we're, we're where we are with measles, where you know we've got this largely under control, there will be local outbreaks. But it's gonna take over 95% of all Americans to be boosted?
4: Yeah, um, I hate to say it, but we have to get up, our boosters have to get into the 70, 80% to really uh, be good. And the, the, the sad thing is, I don't think we're going to get there, because we, we're not even there for two doses. With two doses, right. we're barely scraping upper 60s and low 70s. You know, hopefully with kids, we can get more. But... For boosters, I'm not sure, given yeah. that we're not, not even that many people are eligible Yeah. Dr. I Eric Feigelding, the, the, the first
3: whistleblower on the COVID pandemic. Too. You can follow him on Twitter, which is uh, where I follow him. And it's just, he's just brilliant. You need to read him every day. Dr. Eric Ding, D-R-E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G is his Twitter handle. Dr. Feigelding, thanks so much for dropping by. Great talking with you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations on multiple systems on delivering your product or service, One of my favorite writers is Lynn Paramore. Has just been doing brilliant writing for, for years. And uh, at Lynn, L-Y-N-N-P-A-R-R-A-M-O-R-E on Twitter. And uh, she's got this new piece uh, that was published over at the Institute for New New Economic Thinking's uh, website titled Warning, COVID-Fueled Mental Health Crisis Will Be a Costly Second Pandemic. And I, I, I think this is a story that really deserves uh, all of us paying some serious attention to it. So on the line with us is uh, the aforementioned Lynn Paramore. Lynn, welcome back to the program. It's been a long time since you've been on. I'm glad to have you back. Um, I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're right. COVID has now blown the lid off a crisis building for decades. And then you ask the question, so why isn't there a plan to deal with it? What is yes. that crisis that has been building for decades? And why don't you think there is a plan?
1: Yes. Well, we have um, had a lot of cases rising of anxiety, mental health disorders. That was building for a long time. But the pandemic has sort of shined a light on just how bad it was and has gotten. I mean, just to throw some startling numbers out at you, The Lancet uh, has reported... This is the British Medical uh, Journal. That's right. the The very highly regarded British Medical Journal reports that we have 53 million new cases of major depressive disorder and 76 million new cases of anxiety disorders. Um, since, in the United since, States? Uh, that, that is globally, um, okay. since the pandemic has begun. Um, we have better uh, monitoring systems now. The pandemic has actually um, allowed us to collect data more effectively and efficiently than we have before. And in the United States, Um, a a data system that the National Center for Health Statistics put out with the Census Bureau found that about half of adults between 18 and 44 were having symptoms of anxiety and depression during the pandemic. And 38 percent of adults living with children were experiencing those symptoms. And that's particularly concerning because in families, there's sort of a feedback loop. If the parents are depressed and anxious, the children are more likely to be, and vice versa. You know, they sort of transmit these symptoms to each other. And we're definitely finding that younger younger adults have been particularly vulnerable during the pandemic, um, as you would expect, racial and ethnic minorities, essential workers, and unpaid caregivers. Um, that is a category that is, you know, particularly um Impacts women who've been hard hit with mental distress and increased substance abuse during the pandemic. And when I say there's no plan to deal with it, there's no plan to deal with it yet. There are some provisions in Build Back Better that would help, that would alleviate some of the burden um, of childcare um, and give uh, people paid leave, which is desperately needed. The United States is so out of sync with much of the world on that issue. But, you know, while we're having all of this increased um, symptomatology. There are m- many places in the United States, Texas, for example, where the stress, particularly on women, is just being compounded. Uh, women in Texas right now are being tortured. There's really no other adequate way to describe having your body commandeered uh, in the way that women's bodies have been dealt with in Texas. It's it's torture physically. You're it's talking about their, their,
3: their ban on abortion.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It, women who are already struggling to take care of young children at home, to juggle work uh, and family, are now put in this position where they may be forced to bear children against their will, which not only impacts them, it impacts the children that already may exist in the family, um, there are many, many studies. We know that having um, children that are unplanned, um, it contributes to poverty, not just for the family, but for entire communities. I mean, okay. it, it's the it's kind of stress that spreads. So not only do we not really have a national plan to deal with a mental stress, in many places, we're making it worse.
3: Yeah, you also you also note in your article, um, this absolutely brilliant article, the COVID fueled mental health crisis will be caused a se- second pandemic. That that the coronavirus itself is neurotoxic. Um, explain That's
1: right. that. That's right. It is a virus that impacts the brain, and it's not uncommon among viruses. Uh, We knew that with the Spanish flu, there was an uptick in psychiatric cases and symptoms, and sometimes uh, symptoms that lasted for years after the initial infection. Um, It's similar to long covid So the coronavirus itself can attack the brain. We already are familiar with the the symptoms of losing the sense of taste and smell. Well, that's a neurological reaction to the virus. Uh, We're also seeing psychotic symptoms. I mean, there have been psychotic symptoms reported in young people. Uh, mental Mental health symptoms in people who never had any mental health issues. Um, depression, uh, chronic fatigue, um, inability to think clearly, people call that brain fog. So yes, this is a neurotoxin and it is especially distressing for people who have those long COVID symptoms. I mean, in some cases, uh, people have not yet recovered from the initial infection that they may have had two years ago. So this is all very concerning and is adding fuel to this mental health crisis.
3: Right, and that could be as many as a third of people who have symptomatic COVID or or severely symptomatic COVID, which is shocking. Um, that's
1: right, and I think that's one reason to be cautious about Omicron. You know, we think, oh well, maybe it doesn't cause symptoms that are as severe. But we have to remember, we don't yet know about long COVID symptoms with this variant, and they very well may be a, a big problem, just like they've been with the other variants. So yeah, that's something absolutely. to keep in
3: mind. And then, and then finally, you you note, know, or maybe, I don't, maybe not finally, but you You note that uh, the social toxins are spreading. I, I, I don't think that you know we generally think of things like Trump's lies or Fox News's spin as a social toxin. Uh, you know we might think of yeah. it as as evil, but not as a yeah. as if it was a disease or a poison. But uh, you know you can you can measure the epidemiology of it just like you could measure the epidemiology of somebody uh, you know injecting lead or arsenic into the water supply of a city.
1: That's exactly right. Um, And things like distrust, economic insecurity, um, a feeling of exploitation, inequality, economic inequality, social inequality, all of these are social toxins that impact mental health and, by the same token, make us more vulnerable to physical disease. One thing that I really wish we could come to in this country is an understanding that mental health is health. There's no separation between mental health and the rest of the body. If we have mental health symptoms, we're more prone to get heart disease. We're more prone to get cancer. So uh, we need to think holistically about our health and stop this kind of mind-body separation that's uh, you know kind of a hangover from the enlightenment.
3: Yeah, well, it's also built into our insurance policies. It's built into our, into our laws with regard to things like Medicare and Medicaid and all that sort of thing. You note, in the US, 10% of insured people make up 70% of the total spending on health care. Of that high cost group, more than half are seeking treatment for behavioral health. Mental health spending is rising twice as fast as overall medical spending. And that's not just because of the pandemic.
1: That's right, this is a really sobering thing that came out of the research that I did for this article. Mental health and behavioral health conditions are extremely expensive in terms of healthcare spending. Two hundred and one billion is a figure that came out from the national health expenditure accounts in 2016. That was before the pandemic. And just to give you a comparison, um, that's much more than heart disease. That's much more than cancer. In fact, it's it's um, it's it, it, you could take several of the major, you know, quote unquote physical diseases, put them together, and you wouldn't have um, you wouldn't get to the spending for mental and behavioral health issues. So, and, and again, as I said, you know, they're all tied together because the physical ailments contribute right. to those other, you know, diseases.
3: So, so, Lynn, as a result of this research that you did for the, and this extensive research you did for this article, what, uh, in summary, and we have a little less than a minute, what yeah. what do you think as a nation we should be doing? differently.
1: Yeah, we've we got to make it um, the highest priority for our plans for national and global recovery. We, we, we really need the Build Back Better Act. I mean, it, it, it's not going to solve the problem, but it's going to help alleviate some of the distress um, with programs related to paid leave and child care, as I as I mentioned. Um, and we, we need increased funds for mental health and substance abuse. Uh, so, we, we, we really need to understand, too, that all of this begins Um, with the birth of children if there are if we do not allow people to care for their infants and that doesn't mean just mothers that means all caregivers and make sure that they have um, uh, proper preschool care kindergarten all the way through we're creating adults who are going to be susceptible to mental illness so it all begins you know it, it, it begins from day one
3: it begins with family leave
1: Yes, absolutely. Which
3: is is in Build Back Better, as I recall. Uh, That's
1: exactly right.
3: Lynn Paramore, it's uh, over at the Institute for New Economic Thinking. COVID-fueled mental health crisis will be a costly second pandemic. A brilliant article. Lynn, thanks so much for dropping by today.
1: Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Tom.
3: Back at you. Thank you, Lynn. Happy holidays. You too. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Have you had conversations like I had with my friend a couple days ago about, uh, you know, COVID's not real? How did you respond?
6: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
3: John in Niles, Michigan. Hey, John, what's on your mind today?
2: Hi, Tom. Uh, history has a way of repeating itself, doesn't it?
3: It does. Uh, as Mark Twain said, it doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. <laughs>
2: yes. Right. It, one, the comment I wanted to make was that uh, the Trumpsters uh, uh, keep uh, referring to the founding fathers, uh, you know, and, and the Constitution and stuff like that. George Washington had a mandate to inoculate all of his uh, soldiers um, for the smallpox virus. Yep. And they, don't, they seem to overlook that. Um, yeah, you know, they do. I, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was George Washington and his men were fighting the king's men, mm. and they were also fighting a virus. And if people today would see a war, uh, a war on two fronts, frankly, you know, with uh, the risk to democracy and the the virus, uh, I think people would wake up. But I I don't get it. You know, um, uh, there there's so many parallels. You know, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, uh, fought Xerxes, and fortunately, the Greeks won and preserved democracy for for Western Europe and the world. Yeah. And uh, and today we're fighting um, kind of a xerxes uh in in trump world where uh you know they want to and, and these people don't understand that uh authoritarianism goes is a dead end it's a it's a one-way road and they don't understand the risks themselves uh by by voting for uh, somebody that's an authoritarian you uh, know uh, you know like trump uh They don't understand the repercussions that pretty soon it could be them that's at risk.
3: Yeah and and by the way this uh, vaccine mandate thing, um, yes George Washington mandated his troops in fact there are historians who argue that that was the thing that allowed him to win the Revolutionary War or had he not done that he probably would have lost the Revolutionary War is probably a better way of saying it. Um, Number one and number two in 1905, as I recall, the U.S. Supreme Court—and I think it was Jacobson v. Pennsylvania—the um, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court took up this issue: Does the state, does a state, have the authority under the Constitution to mandate a vaccine for a, for a, a deadly illness? And my recollection is this: this was smallpox, also, um, but I could be wrong. I, it might have been some other disease. I'm pretty sure, though, it was smallpox. And the Supreme Court unambiguously ruled that, you know, public health trumps everything else. The states absolutely have the power to do this. And by the way, let me just, uh, you know, the, the, there's been all this hysteria around. Is the is the military going to get vaccinated? I mean, Fox News doing specials on it. You know, thousands, tens of thousands of soldiers are saying no to the vaccine. Well, they uh, just announced the numbers. There are uh, 265,808 enlisted men in the U.S. Air Force. There are 64,873 officers. So in total, you know, well over 350,000 members of the United States Air Force. They mandated everybody get vaccinated. And the total number of uh, refusers who were discharged yesterday, they, they, yesterday was the cutoff date, total number of people who were discharged, you won't hear this on Fox News, was 27. Do you, do you remember
2: that uh, uh, nineteen that nineteen fifties uh, movie? It was a it was a classic, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot like Invasion of the Body Politics Snatchers, and it's really come to life.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm very much with you, John. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Lisa, in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Lisa, what's on your mind today?
7: Kroger, the grocery chain. I know it. So you might have heard they announced that they were going to pull their COVID sick leave for unvaccinated employees and that they were also going to add like a $50 a month surcharge, insurance surcharge for unvaccinated employees. And um, here in Tennessee, of course, we have a Republican anti-science supermajority and they um, passed, they're calling it ironically the covid protection act because i guess they're protecting covid or something not people (laughs) that would actually make it illegal it's now against state law in tennessee for a company like kroger to require employees to be vaccinated to ask about vaccination status or to do any of the things that kroger just announced they're going to do like you know related to an insurance surcharge right. and i'm just curious you you're so knowledgeable about like legal stuff can that be litigated i don't know that kroger would but they have a lot of stores in tennessee and a lot of employees is that something that would stand up
3: i don't know you i you know and and with this supreme court these days you know i uh, in all caps i don't know um, although they did, the Supreme Court did just throw out this uh, religiously based challenge to New York's vaccine mandate. So I think I think I think it could be litigated, and I and I think that uh, Kroger would probably prevail, um, particularly given that you know the first time the Supreme Court took this issue up was 1905, and they affirmatively decided that a state could have a vaccine mandate. But this this is a corporation having a vaccine mandate in defiance of a state. Mm. Uh, you know, which raises Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other interesting questions. Um, I think where they're really going to come up with a problem is not going to be Kroger, Lisa. It's going to be when the health insurance companies, and they're already starting to do this, and you're going to see a lot of this coming next year, uh, you know, as the new policies come out and all this kind of stuff. The health insurance companies are going to start saying, you know, if you're not vaccinated, we're not going to cover your COVID costs. You got a million dollar hospital Mm -hmm. bill, go talk, you know, put up a GoFundMe site. Um, and, and and I think that's where the rubbers going to hit the road and health insurance companies regardless of what the Tennessee legislature says can ask you mm-hmm. about you know your health situation your vaccine status your you know uh, all those kinds of things um, I don't say this is any kind of legal expert I'm not an attorney Lisa but um, it, it just it, it seems like common sense to me um, I'm so sorry mm-hmm. to hear that you know your state legislature is very bizarre like that but Lisa, thank you for the call, Doctor Bay in Hartford, North Carolina. Hey, Doctor Bay, what's on your mind today?
8: I am a holistic doctor, and we need to address something in America, particularly, but the Western world in general, fear. And asked over the gentleman, he said he's afraid, mm-hmm. and that's the really crux of it. The people who won't get vaccinated, yeah, and these people are cashing in on the fear. This is why they're afraid of people with color. Is the fear, and Growing up in America for a long time, I've been around people because my father wanted us to be around what most of America really is, and it's not mostly people with color. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid. The fear has always been something that's been stoked in America from day one. You had to be afraid of those savages. Fear, fear, fear. And now when you need that fear to subside, it can't and it won't. Even though we can laugh at people, but people are very afraid. If you look at most of these police videos, I do lecturing with young people around the country, and most of the things we rip away all the outside look on things. And being a holistic doctor, I understand that yes, vitamin C works, but it doesn't work just because you say vitamin C and you throw some in your body. It takes a certain amount to certain weights, and it has to be done over a period of time. But that's easy that i can get over the counter and i can believe that it won't harm me this vaccine i'm scared of i'm scared if i get it something may happen to me
3: are you speaking for yourself or are you echoing anthony
8: yeah no i'm saying this is what he's thinking
3: right okay thank you
8: and (laughs) that's the mindset yeah right no that's the mindset so they'll say oh well i i do holistic stuff and and i google it and Mm-hmm. I have clients constantly tell me that, you know, they know more than I know because yeah. they Googled
3: it. Yeah, they went to Google Medical but, School.
8: Exactly. You know, they went to SMU.
3: <laughs> What's that? You
8: know? And that's what they do. And they think that because it's less taxing on the brain and the body. And they live their lives in fear. I'm here in North Carolina. I've never lived in the South. Now I'm here taking care of my mom. And I've been here for five years.
2: Everybody
8: walks off the night.
3: Yeah, I get it. Dr. Bay, thank you. Thanks for sharing your perspective with us. I think you're right. And, and you know, Anthony said, I'm afraid of the vaccine. And I just kind of, I thought he was being glib. But probably you're right. That was the core of his entire point.
2: You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
3: That is, you know, assuming he wasn't some talk show host down in Texas who was punking me and I'll show up on YouTube tomorrow. <laughs> we'll be right back. Nicholas in Ojai, California. Hey, Nicholas. What's up? You know, some of us choose not to vaccinate because you're, you're, you're uh, nuts, we, we work
9: very because we work very hard about staying fit, eating healthy, and our natural immune system.
3: So, Nicholas, case, if you're so healthy, would you have unprotected sex with somebody who has syphilis or gonorrhea?
9: You're missing the point.
3: No, I'm not missing the point. They're contagious diseases. Would you have unprotected sex with somebody who has syphilis and gonorrhea and not worry about it because you're so healthy? No, I wouldn't do that. Okay, then why would you expose yourself to covid without having some protection?
9: Because the protection is my natural immunity.
3: No, it's not. Tell that, yes. tell that, yes. tell that to eight hundred thousand dead Americans, Nicholas. This is this is a stupid conversation, and I'm not going to continue it. Jim in Long Beach, California. Hey, Jim, what's up?
9: Hard to follow that. Uh, wondering why we're not getting the updates for J and J because you know I took that one and I got the booster and I, I'm hearing things, but I'd like to hear what the doctor had to say. Is if
3: you've that, had uh, the J and J, then you can get uh, subsequent to that you can get two. Pfizer's or two modernas uh they have to be spaced
5: apart
9: I might have a reason that I don't want to do that I want to stick with what I started with J&J
3: they're they're coming right out and saying that if you had J&J the booster is not another J&J it's Pfizer or Moderna
9: I already had the J&J booster
3: what do you you mean you mean you had two J&Js yes okay
9: so I want to know the reason and not be called stupid because (laughs) that's you
3: know, I, in
5: any
3: defeat I know yeah, we are. Let me, let me let me yeah, uh, Jim, I'm sorry, we're out of time. we're hitting a, we're hitting a break that, uh, I can't control, John Arvin here with you, Brandon in San Diego. Hey Brandon, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man?
5: Help me understand because I'm kind of like you know, I'm independent, and I really could care less as long as it's not like affecting me personally, but so. People don't want to get vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. Everybody in my family is vaccinated. Like, why should I care who's in the hospital or not? Like they're making tons of dough on these people. Like I have sympathy for those who are elderly and stuff, but if you don't want to get it and you suffer the consequence.
3: Because A, they're your fellow human beings. B, we don't want this virus circulating and mutating. And C, even if you're fully vaccinated, you can still get it. And there's a small chance and it's mostly limited to people who are over 70 but there's a small chance that you can still end up in the hospital or dead from it.
5: Okay. So like, with like diabetes and this other stuff, a lot of these people are gonna keep doing with their bad habits, whether they're vaccinated or they're eating bad. Like,
2: I don't think these people are ever gonna come around.
3: You can't stop diabetes by wearing a mask. You can't stop diabetes by social distancing. You can't take a vaccine that's gonna stop diabetes. This is not, you know, if, if you're saying that, that getting COVID is a lifestyle disease, Um, I, you know, I I think you could make a a very weak argument for that if you're if you're defining lifestyle as as you know choosing to make stupid decisions, but uh, you know I, I, you know, no. (laughs) David in Pasadena, hey David, what's on your mind?
1: Good, how you doing? Uh, I just had a question.
9: Uh, I was hearing about the boosters. Yeah. And I've been uh, given the uh, the both shots for my Moderna, uh, but as far as the Moderna, when the booster, what boosters work? mess with which ones i've been hearing that it's best to to take one or the other like if you took the Moderna, take the other but does it matter when it comes to boosters
3: yeah it did it, it largely from what i'm reading and again i'm not a doctor and i'm not offering medical advice it's just what i'm reading in the media and unfortunately dr yeah. feigolding is not here to take questions although sean did text him and uh you know uh, you know a- ask about boosters and he was like yes you know get your boosters now um but you know bottom line is uh... if you've had two modernas and you want to burst a booster you know either get another moderna or get a pfizer um, uh, you know i know somebody who got two modernas and got a really strong reaction to the second one and is a little you know nervous about that and so he's getting yeah. uh, he's getting a pfizer booster because the pfizer boosters the pfizer second shots, seem to have a much lower uh, uh, and again, this is anecdotal, but seem to have a lower uh, side effect profile. But the bottom line is, get boosted because uh, the you know the storm is coming. Cesar in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Cesar, what's up?
9: I'm also very optimistic about the progressive uh, light coming out to a lot of people, and it's not just one or two things like you've seen before. It's several small things that are adding up together. And that's with you know. With so, what are those thing things for you, Cesar? With. For me, it's Republicans getting COVID, and people keep saying, "Oh, it's just one vote. One vote's not a minute, That person passes away." But it—that one vote has immediate family members seeing that person. That person how is it, his choices, his lifestyle, and they even wake up their neighbors. So it directly impacts. I think seven people that could switch over and and start. The difference between
3: the so teams. you believe, you know, it's an interesting, uh, you know, we've we've uh, raised it before on this program, that the pandemic ripping through red counties and basically not doing that in blue counties um, is working to the advantage of Democrats, to the disadvantage of Republicans? It, it is.
9: It, it is. Because it, like a couple of your guests have spoken before, is that people are just, I, I, to me, I thought, wow, I'm a Republican. You know, people used to argue on Facebook or they used to, you know, like, how are they so ignorant? But it's not as that they're so incredibly stupid. It's right. that they're just, just incredibly misinformed. I agree. Incredibly misinformed, as in they don't know, they just don't have this information in front of them. Yeah, this is and your brain on Fox do, News. Yeah, once they do, though, it, they start, like, it's like a, a whole new amount, uh, like a weight off their shoulders a little bit, in a way it's speaking, because they start seeing the differences between Republicans and Democrats, and they start waking up to see that they're being lied to. It's not all of them, but it's making a huge impact.
3: Do you have any evidence of that? Because it also is really engaging these folks. I mean, the the anti-maskers and the anti-vaxxers are passionate I, I, you know, I, I know a couple of them, and, and oh my God, you can't talk to them. I mean, they, it's like, it's, you, you say one thing, well, what about this? And suddenly you've got, here's 37 studies, and here's 22 websites, and here's a, a video of Dr. So-and-so. And it's like, really? Yeah, but
9: have you noticed that, in, okay, those same people, and even newer people, have you noticed that they're being quiet now? Not, not so, so much. I mean, us. I'm getting emails every
3: day from these people who go to Google Medical School.
9: Uh, yeah, but you know what, in, in my case, I've been seeing, not that I've, I haven't been talking to the same people, but a lot of them have been quiet. And it doesn't mean that they're switching over to my side or they're completely agreeing with me. Right. But being quiet means that they're they're slowly starting to get the information, or maybe they're slowly starting to research the correct information.
3: Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out, uh, Cesar. I, you know, I would never uh, wish for any political party to get political advantage out of the death of people or sickness of people. Uh, but it's a very, very interesting phenomenon. Cesar, thank you very much. John in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, John, you're on the air. What's on your mind hey Tom, today?
5: And hey Tom, first of all, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Also, I want to say, as a 63 year old, and my wife is going to be 64, the uh, show you had on Medicare Advantage and that probably the most informative I've ever seen because. The average person gets so confused when they talk about plan A, plan C, plan B, plan B. Very confusing. Yeah. And um, so really I want to compliment you on yeah, that. Yeah, get ready John. Also, you know, in another year or two
3: you're going to you're going to be on the bottom end of the of a waterfall.
5: Yeah. Also to, also Tom, uh, I am vaccinated. I did get a booster. Good on you. My daughter, my daughter who is a physician assistant, my daughter-in-law who is a medical doctor they got vaccinated when they were both pregnant. They would not have done that if they did not believe it was effective and it was safe to do. Amen. My brother just got out of the hospital. After being in for five days, he was vaccinated. He has diabetes, stents in his heart. My son-in-law, who works in a COVID unit up in Connecticut, said had my brother not been vaccinated, He'd be dead. He probably.
3: Yeah.
5: He, he probably would have been dead. What my son in law told me, what they're finding is that before the vaccinations, the common cause was typically obesity, blood pressure, and diabetes. Now, what they're finding is they still have those elements, but the unvaccinated. Are making a disproportionate oh, number in, of the you people know, in who are in state the State after
3: state is reporting that more than ninety percent, in some cases more than ninety. I saw one uh, statistic about uh, might, might have been about two or three weeks ago, and I forget the state it was from. It might have been Oregon because I, you know, I get the emails from the state that it was like over ninety-eight percent of all the people who were dying were unvaccinated.
5: Oh, Tom, Tom, it gets better. I referee high school
3: basketball,
5: and Friday, Pennsylvania said that. You do not have to require masking in school. So the game I want to officiate, they said the school said you had to have a mask to go in. So I wore my mask. in. regardless, I'm going to follow the rules. Sure. There's a woman sitting up in the upper bleachers. And I'm sorry, God, for what I'm about to say. Her stomach is hanging below her knees. And she's arguing with the game manager who's saying, ma'am, you need to put your mask on. Oh, no. Well, the state, the state Supreme Court said, I do not need to wear a mask. And I'm thinking, you know what? God forgive me for what I'm about to say. That woman deserves
3: no to beyond the ventilator she's she she is getting her information from right wing hate radio fox news or republican politicians and there is the tragedy john that this virus ever got politicized in the first place but donald trump was scared uh, absolutely, to death. that if, if the think, economy went in the crapper yeah. while he was president he wouldn't get reelected which by the way is what happened yeah. but you know he tried to minimize the the virus he told bob woodward this back in january he was going to play it down yeah. Well, the best thing and I, and I told people and And, Tom, I'm a
5: Republican. I said where he screwed up was, number one, he's obnoxious, and he didn't treat this serious enough. My wife had COVID back in July of 2020, and she weighed 120 pounds. By the time she was done, she weighed 110 pounds at 5'8", and it was a rough 10 days. And we didn't know much about COVID at that time. And my thought process was if I can get her through it when I come down with it. She'll be able to take care of me. But my recommendation to anyone is number one on the first thing that podcast you had, excellent. Don't listen to people and get the
3: vaccination. Yeah, don't and go this to is Google, a Google talking. Yeah, don't go to go to the Google medical school. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's pay attention to your doctor, John. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure, John. Anytime and anytime you want to call and talk about politics, too, give me a shout.
2: You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Yeah,
3: the, the Google Medical School, a wholly owned subsidiary of Trump University. Holy cow.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
2: Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness.
0: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
3: Hillary in Bernie, Texas. Hey, Hillary, what's on your mind today?
0: Apropos of the fit guy who doesn't want syphilis that's
8: relying on his own immune system to not contract COVID-19.
3: Right, which will kill you probably Um, just as fast as syphilis, actually faster than syphilis will.
8: (laughs) Well, I know you know this, but I don't know how you can get that guy to understand that SARS-CoV-2 is a novel virus and no one has immunity. Right. So the only way to gain immunity is to either have the virus, get the virus, or get vaccinated because it's never existed before. That's what the the fear is yeah. among the science community. Well, there are
3: these people, and they're all over Facebook, and you know, and and Facebook's algorithm has been promoting them for quite some time. They're they're getting them off YouTube, but they were all over YouTube for years, or for a year anyway. Um, you know, who are saying, oh well, just take your zinc and vitamin D every day. And yes, zinc and vitamin D do appear to you know help our immune system, but. But they don't stop COVID. Sorry. Just yes, take your zinc and, and vitamin D every day, and tell a little vitamin C, and and maybe some worm paste, and you'll be great.
8: Yeah, that delicious horse. It's apple flavored, by the way. That
3: uh, that I warmer. <laughs> <laughs> how do you right. know, Hillary?
8: <laughs> I have a. I ha, Oh, I have a horse. That's how. Oh, I, know.
3: I see. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. So
8: once once yeah. a month, you give them either that or another kind,
3: just to. You rotate the dewormers. Yeah. And that makes sense because de- horses love apples. That's funny. Hillary, <laughs> thank you. Thank you okay, very much. You're I, you know, hey, it's you're spot doing. on. Yeah, excellent analysis. Lee in Los Angeles. Hey, Lee, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up?
6: Hi. Um, I was calling to rebut that comment of that gentleman, which was very uneducated to blame lifestyle choices on the problem with COVID and I'm sorry whatever nonsense I apologize. <laughs> no, I get it. I was
3: there. I remember.
6: Yeah. And the reason I'm a, I'm I'm more upset than the average person is because he's not even thinking of his own medical needs and those of his family. Um as somebody who's personally visited ER and been in the hospital and has a chronically ill family member, I I have seen everything, and he does not understand how the hospital system works, how medical works. He's thinking of administration and money. He has no idea what happens on the ground. Um, I have been in a hospital, so has my father. There are beds just laying everywhere in the hallway, wherever they can. You know, with you're COVID left patients here. No, this is just general before COVID even hits. That's what I mean is this guy has no idea what ERs are like, generally speaking, let alone what COVID has done. And it is draining everyone's access. For example, if he were to get in a car accident, he has no idea where he'd be taken to hospital. The closest hospital could be closed. He would then have to be taken 20 miles away to a less... Uh, a hospital that's at least available. Let's right. just call it that. And he, you know, again, the, the the effects are much larger than people realize because people are being turned away from medical care from hospitals. They're being discharged without being fully vetted because the hospitals are more worried about COVID and the influx. It, it's just baffling that people uh, are so blind to how the medical care works. And again, I'm just talking about the ability to access things that you need, like oxygen, people who um, have difficulty, respiratory issues. I mean, they couldn't access oxygen. Um, You know, it's just, uh, unfortunately, people aren't aware if they've never experienced it or have a chronically ill family member to understand what's uh, happening because people are refusing, not neglecting, straight out refusing to do the one thing that could prevent other people from being ill.
3: Right, and and not to mention, and I and maybe maybe I'm more this is more my hobby horse than other people because two of my children uh, work in healthcare at the local hospital. Uh, you know, oh, one, okay. <laughs> one one serving the the addicted homeless population, and the other serving people who've been um you know badly disfigured through burns and things like that or or even cancer surgeries um, that uh you know our hospitals are overwhelmed and people are quitting i mean people are just they're they're, they're burned out they're they're so exhausted by you know, i mean t- you know typically even an er uh doc or physician's assistant or uh you know a nurse of of various kinds um you know we'll see you know, maybe one person a day die or a few people a week die. They're, they're you know, in some in some of these hospitals, you know, they're, they're, they're shipping out 10, 15, 20 people a day who are dead. And and it's yeah. like, can you just imagine holding the hand of somebody who dies over and over and over, knowing that none of it was necessary, and then walking out to your car and having people scream at you and throw eggs at you and call you a murderer? I mean, that's literally happening right now in hospitals all over America. And it's all because these mask calls are refusing to get vaccinated. Lee, I'm with you. Thank you very much. You. Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom, the, uh, the Prime Minister of the UK, has uh, uh, essentially ordered everyone, Not ordered is too strong a word, but is asking everyone 18 and older to get a booster shot by the end of this month. He said that the country is facing an Omicron emergency, the highly transmissible Omicron variant. And this is on its way here. It's already showed up in 25 states. It is doubling every two to three days in England. Uh, To quote Boris Johnson, quote, there is a tidal wave of Omicron coming. And he's trying to get ahead of it. More than 80% of people over 12 years old in Britain have received at least two vo- doses of the vaccine. 40% of Brits have received three doses of the vaccine. So they're in good shape, and yet still they're seeing this wave of Omicron. It is uh, apparently the king of breakthrough infections. Uh, you know, being full, even full, even booster immunized doesn't mean that Omicron can't break through. It does mean that it's less likely to kill you. It's less likely to injure you in a way that leaves you with permanent... Disability, permanent dementia, or heart disease, or lung disease, or you know, damage to your vision, or erectile dysfunction—you know—the really common side effects of a symptomatic COVID infection among unvaccinated people. It does—it does offer significant protection in that regard. But boy, do not let down your guard. The New York Times—the headline in the front page of today's New York Times—as U.S. nears 800,000 virus deaths, and let me just just check. The, uh, the Trump death toll, trumpdeathtoll.org, 797,346 as of this moment. The headline in the New York Times is U.S. nears 800,000 virus deaths. One of every 100 older Americans has died. COVID is now the third leading cause of death for people over 65 behind cancer and heart disease. Third leading cause of death. It's responsible for 13% of all deaths in people over 65. One out of 100 Americans over 65 has died of coronavirus. For people under 65, it's one in 1,400. This is a deadly, deadly disease. And that doesn't count morbidity. That doesn't count the number of people who are getting really, really sick. And then on top of that, you've got the so-called energy crisis. And this is not, uh, I'm not talking about exhaustion caused by, by COVID, I'm talking about exhaustion caused by the circumstances that COVID has imposed upon us. This from uh, the Study Finds website, studyfinds.org. The headline, energy crisis, three in five Americans more exhausted now than ever in their lives. Three in five Americans feel more tired now than they've ever been in their lives. They, 59% say spending so much time at home since early 2020 has permanently zapped them, sapped them of energy. The most common energy-depleting activity seems to be poor sleep scheduling. One in two people also blamed long work hours or staying inside too much during lockdowns. 46% say that their exhaustion is due to too much screen time. Seven in 10, 69%, claim working from home has messed with their sleep schedule. Nearly half believe that spontaneous conversations with coworkers help Keep them upbeat and alert, which is one of the reasons I'm so happy to have Sean and Nate and Joyce back in the studio with me. Although uh, we, you know, uh, we got some of, we got a whole, I've been buying these things online, these, you know, same day, the 15 minute uh, COVID test kits. And we did our tests this morning, and, and, uh, you know, so far so good, knock wood. Uh, But, uh, you know, we're our own little bubble. And, and you know, frankly, you, you need to be doing the same thing. So, This thing is coming. It's coming, it's coming fast. It's coming hard, this Omicron. And for those people in red counties, where we have death rates between three and six times higher than in blue counties, Trump counties versus Biden counties. For those people in red counties who are refusing to get vaccinated because they think, oh, you know, I don't get sick or I can take vitamin C, or there's always that, you know, horse paste. This is going to be devastating. Absolutely devastating. So get ready and get boosted. And if you haven't got your booster shot, get out there quickly. There was an article in the Oregonian, our our paper here in Oregon, that because there's now suddenly so much demand for boosters in this state, some people may not be able to get them until April or May.
2: You've been listening to Tom Hartman.